Good evening, Hampton Road, Southeast Virginia, Northeastern North Carolina. Welcome to this week's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Our mission is to discuss and break down the dynamics of marriage and family relationships with the purpose of restoring, rebuilding, and perfecting those relationships. Good evening and welcome once again. I spent the last few weeks discussing the nature, the dynamics, and the signs of an abusive relationship. And we even explored what makes an abusive person or what causes an abused person to become the abused person and what makes them stay in that abusive situation. And I know it was a relevant topic of discussion because of what I see on a daily basis. And as I said before, if we helped even one person get out of an abusive relationship or help somebody stop being that abusive person, then it was well worth it. And I have to follow up with this also. I want to remind you, I want to say again for your encouragement, for your edification, if you happen to be in an abusive situation, I want you to know that this is not your last stop. It's not your destiny. It's not your purpose. This is not where your life ends. There is hope. The future can still be your friend. You know, I'm really just trying to tell somebody out there that you can get out. It'll take all you got, but you can get out. It may take all the courage you can muster up and you may have to dig deeper in your soul and dig deeper than you ever thought you could have, but you will get through it and you can get out. Now tonight I want to shift gears just a little bit and I want to look at another aspect of the marriage relationship in particular. I want to look into dealing with behaviors that are counterproductive. They're, they're, they're more negative than positive, but the behavior doesn't rise to the level of abuse because while we're dealing with abusive situations and abusive relationships, I know there are a good number more of you are out there saying, well, we don't have an abusive relationship, but we do have some quirks that are bothering me and I need some word. I need a word to deal with those. So we want to look at these relationships. There's some behaviors going on, doesn't rise to the level of abuse, but they need help nonetheless. What am I talking about? Well, a husband seems to always criticize his wife. No matter what his wife does, he criticizes. No matter how much effort she puts forth, he criticizes. He nitpicks at small things. Again, it doesn't rise to the level of abuse and it's not an end to all or it's not the end of the marriage, but it's hurtful somewhat none the least. On the other hand, a wife routinely puts her husband down in public. She just naturally makes him the butt of her jokes, the butt of others jokes when she's talking with friends and, and, and in public and, and it embarrasses him. This behavior again does not rise to the level of abuse and there is no thought of divorce that doesn't even enter the picture. But again, it's hurtful nonetheless, and it doesn't achieve a productive end, and, and it needs to be dealt with. So where am I going with this? Well, a little while ago, someone close to me asked me this question. How do we forgive our spouse for an offense and still show them that the behavior is not okay, that the behavior is actually hurtful or counterproductive to the marriage. How do we do that? How do we show them that the behavior is not working? For example, 
uh, some character traits are exhibited over and over again, but they're not really deal breakers. They're not really going to bust up the marriage, yet the behavior still needs to be addressed. That's what I want to deal with tonight. How do you deal with recurring, repeated behaviors? How do you forgive, even if you have a good idea that it's going to happen again? How do you get over it? How do you deal with it? It's not a matter of divorce. It's not a matter of separating or breaking up or busting up, whatever the case may be. But you need to deal with these things none the least. All right? We should talk. Yes, we should talk. But what if the spouse is not seeing the problem? I want to talk. I love to talk about it. I wish we could talk about it. But spouse really doesn't see it as the problem. Well, here's what I got for you. The way you deal with this dynamic is you work on yourself more than you work on your spouse. You work on yourself more than you work on your spouse. And I hope that by the time I'm done here this evening, you'll understand why I say this. This is an important question because every relationship has different stressors going on in them. And a stressor is just simply some issue, some matter, some dynamic that's chronic. It's not acute, meaning it only lasts for a moment. It's chronic. It goes on and on. That means it's been in the relationship for a good while, and it looks like it's not going anywhere. These stressors tax the relationship heavily. And each time one of these stressors gets busy in the relationship, it takes something out of the marriage relationship. And this is why some marriages grow cold or they lose affection for each other. They haven't been able to adequately deal with these stressors. And they, have, they haven't been able to totally forgive each other. Hence, they start existing together rather than living a life of full excitement. They start just simply living in the same house or living under the same roof instead of enjoying each other and looking forward to the future. The question that I asked a moment ago, how do I deal with it? He or she keeps on doing it. They don't understand it. How do I deal with it? That question sounds like one or more of these stresses are at work in this person's life. And I believe this question is applicable to many marriages. To some degree or another, something may be going on in your marriage and you're asking, how do I deal with it? And I want you to know that it's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. And another thing I want to say to you in response to this most relevant question is, I'm glad this person who is close to me, I'm glad this person has a mind and a heart to continue to forgive. I'm thanking God that they haven't grown so cold and they haven't grown so callous or so hard that they no longer are interested in forgiving, but they still want to know, how do I deal with it? How do I get over it? How do I forgive? Because I believe the future can be my friend. Listen, no matter what happens, if you will be free in your heart and if you will be free in your mind and if you expect your prayers to be answered, you must forgive. And in a case like the one I described here in this question or in the vignettes I spoke about earlier, forgiveness and reconciliation are necessary. Let me say that again. Forgiveness and reconciliation are necessary. All right. So let's dig a little more into working on you 
more than you work on your spouse. I know that sounds uh, uh, a little unnecessary. It may sound a little strange, may sound a little unorthodox because you really believe your spouse has the problem. Well, the only way that you're going to be able to help your spouse is that you work on you and become the answer to your spouse's problem. Now, like any other situation, your strategy will be the key to your success. And any strategy must be based on guiding principles. You need to establish principles and boundaries and guidelines and values for living. You just can't get up in the morning and just live and see what happens and fly by the seat of your pants. You need some values. You need principles. Because when we live by principles that are based on God's word, especially, we get just what God wants for us. And that's always the best thing. Wouldn't you agree with me? It's always best to get just what God wants for us. Now, to begin dealing with this issue, you're going to have to have a lot of prayer and a lot of self-reflection. You've got to have a lot of prayer you got to have a lot of self-reflection. These two steps would be the most crucial of all because it's only through prayer and self-reflection that you'll be able to tap into your own motivation. It's only through prayer and self-reflection that you'll be able to determine what pleases God. And that's what we want most. What pleases God? Only through prayer and self-reflection, you'll be able to come up with a response that works best for the marriage and not just yourself. You will be able to focus your energies on the marriage and not just your own selfish whims and certainly not on pay, paying your spouse back. Prayer and self-reflection will condition you to handle each and every situation with grace for as long as you need to. Because quite honestly, it could be a while before change comes. But remember, the question we ask in the beginning the question included the point that the behaviors are hurtful, but they are not deal breakers. The behaviors are messing with a couple, but they are not necessarily deal breakers. It doesn't mean the marriage is coming to an end. So I want to tell you when things are going on in a person, it may be a while before change comes. So that means you're going to have to be conditioned to deal with it. And that comes through prayer and self-reflection. Now, every challenging situation is an opportunity to learn more about yourself. And the better you know yourself, the better you can deal with others, including and especially your spouse. The better you know yourself. You know, you live closer with your spouse. You're closer to your spouse than anybody else. You know your spouse better than you know anybody else. You deal with things in the marriage that you won't deal with outside the marriage. You won't allow things into the marriage that you allow outside the marriage. The relationship that you have with your spouse is more intimate, more involved. It's closer than any other one that you know. So in dealing with challenging situations, it's a grand opportunity to learn more about yourself. And the more you know about yourself, the better you can deal with others. Some things are truly bad and acceptable, period. No and if or buts about it. I'm not saying I'm not saying that that is not the case. I want to I want to clear the air on that one. Now, some things are just bad and unacceptable. They need to stop right now. That's once you cross over into abuse and that's period. But then some things are as bad as we make them. Some things are really only as bad as we make them. And in any challenge, it's imperative that you pursue self-knowledge. Now, if you think way back, 
hopefully my language is sounding a little bit familiar because if you think way back uh, uh, several months ago, I talked about the five guiding principles to marriage. Of the five guiding principles for marriage, we just covered two of them, God's kingdom and righteousness as your chief goal and pursuit of self-awareness and growth is imperative. So we just covered five, uh, two of the five guiding principles for marriage. And that's why I said to you in the beginning, I said to you a few moments ago, when you're dealing with life, when you're dealing with challenges, when you're dealing with situations, when you're dealing with uh, relationships, you have to go in with guiding principles, you have to have something to box you in, to restrict you, to help you, to hold you, to give you a foundation when you're dealing with those challenges. All right. So when we marry, we marry for better or for worse. Remember that? Remember that? And you better believe before it's all over, worse will show up. <laughs> worse will show up. And that's what love is for. Love is not only the sweaty palms, the palpitating heart, the, 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 the thoughts of him or her all day long, the, the phone conversations that go nowhere because nothing is being said. That's not love. That's more infatuation than anything. But love is the patience that we exercise while waiting on our spouse to get better. That's love. Love is denying yourself the pleasure of being right, denying yourself the pleasure of being comfortable, denying yourself the pleasure of having your way. And we do, we go into these self-denials. We deny ourselves while we're waiting on our spouses to figure themselves out. If you know so much, then you should know enough to deal with yourself while you're waiting on your spouse to figure him or herself out. Love is not requiring your spouse to meet your standard of conduct, your standard of character, your standard of behavior, your standard of believing, your standard of walking, talking, breathing, eating, whatever the case may be. That's not love. Love is allowing your spouse the room and the time to seek self-improvement. Love is allowing your spouse room to be themselves while they grow. You're not perfect and you didn't marry a perfect person. Love works on acceptance more than it works on change. Let me rephrase that. Love works on acceptance and it does not work on changing the other person. The other person will change or the other person will grow as they witness and observe you loving them. That's the best hope of change, you loving them with a real love. But love doesn't work on change, it works on acceptance. That covers the love and grace must rule guiding principle. All right, so the things I've already said are important because there are some things you must realize if you wanna help your spouse. For example, People repeat behaviors because there is some kind or some type or some form of reward they get from the behavior. Hmm. That bears repeating. People repeat behaviors because there's some kind, there's some form, there's some type of reward that they get from the behavior. Keep in mind that every behavior is motivated by the goal of meeting some internal need. Now, the need may be real or imaginary. 
and 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 whether you know it or not, when I'm talking about needs, I'm not talking about money or anything like that. Uh, believe it or not, the needs I'm talking about usually mean something like safety or security or recognition or belonging or, or something along that line. Internal needs. They drive our motives and our repeated behaviors are about satisfying those needs. Let that chew in for a moment. While I remind you that you're listening to this week's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic, you're listening to us on your AM dial 1350, and that's WGPL. As always, I'm inviting you, I'm encouraging you. I beseech you, brothers and sisters, Ladies and gentlemen, email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Let me know you're hearing me. Uh, send me a text or inbox me on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. You'll find me there. Let me know that you're hearing me. Let me know that we're making a difference. Let me know that we're speaking to some need that you have. As always, if you have a question, send it to me. If you have a topic you'd like for us to discuss, send it to me. If you feel like I'm wasting time, send it to me. Just let me know. I want to hear from you. All right. So every every repeated behavior is about meeting a need. And those needs are, are coming to form of uh, uh, whether they're imaginary or real. Those needs include uh, safety and security and recognition and belonging, uh, things of that nature. So whatever the behavior is that is repeated, it's all about the person meeting one of those needs. And they feel rewarded because they feel like they met the need. Even though they don't realize that all of this is going on inside of them, they feel rewarded because they feel like they met the need. They're not looking at it as a reward, but they're getting something out of the deal. We have to call it a reward for discussion sake. We have to call it a reward because you only do things and repeat things because you get something favorable out of it. You get something that helps you, that pleases you, that satisfies you out of the behavior. So it is a form of a reward. And people repeat behaviors because they get some reward out of it. The behavior is all about the individual's effort to feel safe or secure or defend themselves or something similar to that. And I know that sounds a little bit deep, but it's true nonetheless. Every behavior we have as a habit is a habit because we are rewarded in some kind of a way, and we repeat the behavior looking for that reward. We don't understand it. We may not think every day, hmm, I down put my wife, or I put my wife down, or I embarrass my husband because I'm trying to receive a reward for my feelings of insecurity. That's not the way we think, but that's what's going on. That's what's happening, no doubt. Some people shut down in confrontation. The reward is they feel safe from exposing themselves to what they perceive to be dangerous situations. They don't have to be vulnerable. Some people go on the attack when they sent their being attacked. They're going to be the first to attack. They believe that the best defense is a good offense. The reward is they get to feel the security of being on the offensive rather than the defensive. That makes them feel more secure. So the, what I'm saying to you is that these personality factors, these personality variables, these ways about us, these traits, these character traits, they're all about us trying to meet some sort of need. 
And if your spouse in your marriage is engaging in some behaviors, repeating some behavior that's working unfavorably to you, it's about them meeting some unconscious need that they don't even realize they're chasing and pursuing, and they keep on doing it because they get some kind of reward out of it. Point blank. Now, another thing you want to do you want to determine whether or not your spouse is in character. Being in character means your spouse is doing the hurtful behavior, even though it's hurtful, but they're doing it innocently. He or she really doesn't realize how insensitive or hurtful their behavior is. They may be, that, that, that may be just what they've dealt with their whole lives. And this is just the way they did things in the family they grew up in. Here we go. Right back to the family of origin. I told you if you want to track down anything going on in your spouse, family member, or anyone else that you're in a relationship with, track it back to the family of origin. It may have been just the way he grew up or she grew up in the family of origin. Uh, uh, in the family he or she grew up in, they had to learn early to defend themselves. Or because they were never heard, they learned that it's better to be quiet and avoid sticking out. It's the way they grew up. And some of these things were fun in the family. They, they just did it for fun. And that type of behavior became their normal. Now that he or she is an adult, they do what they know to do in relationships. They are in character. If this is the case, you're going to need all of the five guiding principles because, again, it could be a while before you see change. If they are not in character and they're repeating behaviors that are just hurtful and mean or insensitive, then it's easy for them to slip over into abuse. And it may be an abusive situation. But if they are not in character and they're insensitive to your needs and just won't even try and change the behavior, you married a mean person. And that means something else entirely. There's another strategy for that. But if they are in character... If they are in character, you're going to have to learn how to handle yourself so that you can handle their character. You're going to have to learn and deal with you so that you can learn and deal with them. For the spouse who's doing the misbehavior and they are in character, you need to let them know there is something that you do. Now, you do speak to it. You do speak to it. I'm not saying just roll over and be walked on anything like that. Please don't believe I'm saying that. You must speak to it. If they're in character, you need to let them know how the behavior is affecting you. Don't challenge them and start telling them how wrong they are and how much they need to change, etc., etc., etc. That hasn't worked yet for you, huh? But you need to let them know how the behavior is affecting you. You don't tell them how wrong they are, how low down they are. You let them know in a very non-threatening way how the behavior makes you feel. You let them know how you need something very different from them. The thing that you need to feel better in your situation. They're the only one who has the answer, who has the fix. You let them know how much you know that they have exactly what you need. It's on the inside of them. They need to think and feel how to bring it out. You let them know what you are experiencing in a very non-threatening way. Let them know what you are experiencing. Then you need to be wise enough and honest enough and courageous enough 
to admit when you need a third party to intervene and help. That may be a pastor, maybe a counselor, maybe a mentoring couple, could even be the two of you reading a book together and discussing it, watching a video on marriage, watching a, uh, a listening to a, a recording on love or working on relationships, something like whatever the case may be. You've got to be courageous and honest enough to know, wise enough to know, humble enough to accept the fact that we can't do this on our own. We've been trying and we've been trying and we've been trying. And we can't get this done on our own. We need a third party. So find that third party, whatever or whoever it may be. Get the help that you need. One thing I want to make abundantly clear is that this question we're dealing with doesn't have a silver bullet. When you're talking about behaviors that are repeated, they're not helpful. When we're talking about your spouse being in character, when we're talking about this mindset being formed over a long period of time throughout their childhood, there is no silver bullet or quick and easy answer or approach to fix it. There is no, well, you just do this and he or she will do that. No, it doesn't work that way. Like all issues in relationships, it doesn't have a one size fits all answer. And normally it won't work fast. I've already told you a couple of times, you're going to have to deal with you to get ready and deal with them because it may be a while before your fix comes. So there's no one size fits all answer for these situations. And it probably won't work fast. So I'm trying to get you to see that you need to work on you and you need to work on conditioning yourself to accept your spouse while God works on him, while God works on her, and you remain available to help. You remain available to help. You do want to help. You want to be a help to your spouse and not a hindrance. You want to be a support to your spouse. You don't want to tear them down. You want to be constructive, not destructive. You don't, want to get, you don't want to get wrapped up in yourself and, and began to grow bitter and began to grow resentful. And you don't want to be so agitated at your spouse that just their touch agitates you or them being next to you agitates you. You don't want to be the couple that plays that role, that puts on that good face when they go to church, but they know good and well inside they're miserable or they're hurting. Again, it may not be an abusive relationship, but there's some hurtful things going on and you need help nonetheless. But you don't want to try and shout over it. You don't want to try and speak in tongues over it. You want to get help and you want to grow to be the one who is best suited to help your spouse. That's the purpose for being married. You are the one best suited to help your spouse. There's nobody better suited to help your spouse than you. So work on yourself. These behaviors are not deal breakers. Thank goodness. These behaviors are not about divorce or busting up or separating. Thank goodness. There's just some things going on that you need to work with. Just keep in mind, we all repeat certain behaviors because we get something out of the deal. If we work on ourselves, we can walk right into the wisdom that's required to uncover and discover the reward our spouses are getting out of these repeated behaviors.
And when we discover the rewards our spouses are getting out of these repeated behaviors, we can then know how to cut the reward off. Because that's what we need to do. We need to cut that reward off. People repeat behaviors because they're getting some kind, some type, some form of reward from the behavior. Seek help in identifying and cutting off the reward. Get help from a mentoring couple. Get help from a pastor. See a counselor. Read a book. Watch a movie. Have an honest heart-to-heart -heart discussion. Not threatening, not challenging, not provoking, not charging, not alleging, making allegations against one another, not you always, not you never, but honestly, courageously, lovingly sit down and deal with what it is you're going through. All I'm trying to say is that if the behaviors are not a deal breaker, then you will keep on forgiving. And you will keep on working on it. If the behaviors are not a deal breaker, you're going to have to work on you in order to become the patient person that your spouse needs to help them grow to realize that they need change. And if you're going to be a help to your spouse, if you're going to work on it and help it, it requires you working on you. Hey, you've been listening to us on Marriage and Family Clinic. I'm out of time. I hope that we've helped you tonight. Again, you've been listening to us on your AM dial. That's 1350 AM WGPL. I am your host here at Marriage and Family Clinic, Bishop Hodges. Email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Inbox me on Facebook. You can find me at Bishop Carl Hodges. You can also look on iTunes. Look under Bishop Carl Hodges or Marriage and Family Clinic, and you can replay these broadcasts. Listen, I'm out of time, but join us again same time same place on next week and until then we're going to see you and remember you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the prince of peace god bless you we're out